Charlia. Welcome to Good Luck Charlie. Just like you, I'm on the journey of self-discovery and am daily trying to learn what it means to find balance, create lifelong friendships, chase my dreams and invest in my future. So here's what I'm learning and loving on this crazy path of life. I'm so glad you decided to join me. Hello everybody and welcome back for another Future Me episode of the Good Luck Charlie podcast. If you've been here before, welcome back. If this is your first time, welcome. It is so wonderful to have you here. This podcast is a place where I, Talia, who am currently in grade 12, shares everything that I've been learning and loving recently in life, but also as part of this Future Me series, I interview a range of different professions to work out what does it actually look like to be a nurse? What does it actually mean to be a doctor or a paramedic or a tradie or any of these other things because I don't really know what I want to do for my future and I know that a lot of other people struggle to find out what they want to do as well. So I hope this helps. So in saying that, today I'm interviewing the absolutely wonderful Georgia Mitchell who is a paramedic and who also has an Instagram account at Life of a Paramedic where she shares all of her advice of being a paramedic and really opens up about mental health and shares a lot of mental health advocacy positive vibes, medical advice, videos where she talks about all the amazing things that our body does and all the amazing things each little organ does. You'll have to check out those. She also sells adorable stickers, mirror stickers that say, be kind to yourself and they look super cute on every single mirror. So go to the link in her bio to buy some of those as well and give them to yourself and all of your friends. But I hope that you find Georgia just as inspiring as I did. Within even just the first 20 seconds, I could tell that she was so passionate and energized about life and about her job. And she's just one of those people that leaves you in awe. And after every question, I just sat there and was like, I don't even know what to say. You are so amazing. And everything you've been through is so crazy that I just want to give you a round of applause. I just want to sit here in silence and acknowledge how incredible it is what you're doing. So if I sound a little bit dumb just saying, good on you, good on you, it's because I was genuinely in awe and had no other words left to say. So I hope you also are left in awe. And I hope that if you are thinking about being a paramedic, that this helps answers all of your questions, as well as allowing you to have a think about finding a job that you are just as passionate about, like Georgia is about her job as a paramedic. So thank you once again, Georgia, and I hope you all enjoy this episode. Let's jump right into it. Whoop, whoop. Hey, hey! I'm glad you're excited too. (laughs) Good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Yes, thank you so much for being willing to come on and share a bit of your experience and everything. I found you because I watched one of your reels about being a paramedic, and it's something that I have considered. There is a lot to it, and it's definitely not an easy job, which is kind of why I want to talk about this with you today because I love that you share both the positives and negative sides of it, and it's clear that you're so passionate about it, but also that it is really challenging as well. Yeah. Well, are you all good to jump right in then? Was there anything else? No, I'm all good. Let's go. Cool. Well, then, to start off, I would love if you could give a quick summary of your life up until this point. So from high school to the job that you're working now. How did you get here? Was it something that you always wanted to do? Yeah, how... What has your life looked a bit like? Yeah, so I was in year 12 and I found that I had a really deep interest and passion for science. So that's mm-hmm. sort of where my medical career started. 
Um, I wasn't sure where it was going to take me, but I knew that, yeah, my brain, it didn't really work very well. Um, in When I was doing advanced English, I had absolutely no interest in geography or anything like that. It was how the human body worked and also learning about people's personalities and life experiences yeah. I just found so inspiring. So I knew there was like a little seed that was planted when I was in year 12. Um, it was the day before my HSC trials, actually. I remember I was studying in my room and um, I heard my mom like crying, bawling her eyes out outside mm. and she's yelling on the phone. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what has happened? Um, and her youngest brother, so my uncle, um, died in a farming accident. He wow. was out in the yeah, out in the central west, and my mum was on the phone to my grandmother at the time. And that experience, as painful as it was, like sitting through my trials and doing my HSE, um, just after the loss of my uncle, it really sort of paved the way for me. I developed like a really strong passion for um, people out west. Like I have a very mm-hmm. big soft spot in my heart for the farming community um, and my grandparents because they they were the first ones that um, actually found him. So, yeah, it was was from that sort of traumatic experience that I decided there and then that paramedicine was something that I was going to pursue sort of in honour of him. That is very powerful. And I can Mm. see that passion through, yeah, your Instagram page and everything. Definitely. So So you graduated high school and then did you go straight into studying? Yeah, so I actually um, got a place at the University of Sydney in medical science. Mm -hmm. So um, I started there because I thought if I got like a really good sort of base knowledge of, you know, um, like medical sciences and chemistry, et cetera, it would put me in good stead for um, paramedicine. I then transferred um, in my second year to the Australian Catholic University. Um, Yeah, uni for that degree. So, yeah, straight into it. I didn't really have a break because, as I said, like that passion was just there. And I was like, no, I don't want to just sort of wait around. I don't want to do a gap year. I was very study orientated ever since I was at school. So it just worked for my personality to dive straight into it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I've heard a lot of people talk about how it's beneficial to do a double degree with nursing. What Mm. is kind of recommended and like you obviously didn't is, I don't know, what were your thoughts surrounding that? Mm-hmm. See, this is a very divisive question. I think okay. it's a great question. Yeah, no, this is a great question. So my personality type, if I have a goal or if I have something in my mind that I want to achieve, I will absolutely 100% put myself in the best position to achieve that goal. So I, I knew it. personally, yeah, through like why the reason that I was there wasn't to be a nurse so I knew that staying indoors all day being you know going around to different wards and doing that sort of internal care of the patient once they are hospitalized was not for me and it wasn't conducive to the end goal of becoming a paramedic I think if you are open to being a nurse at the end of your degree I think definitely do it but you also have to understand that nursing and paramedicine are worlds apart in 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 so many ways yeah so I didn't want to be a nurse so I was like it's either paramedicine or nothing um yeah so for me it didn't really the idea of having an extra year at the end of my degree for a job that I didn't actually want 
just didn't didn't make sense in my brain. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And I had considered doing both as well. Um, and my parents like, it's good to have a plan B, but the best, the easiest way to ensure that you'll fail at plan A is knowing that you have a backup. Like if you, oh, and, wow. that I, is so true. <laughs> and I think part of the reason people encourage it though, is because it's hard to get a job as a paramedic. So any tips surrounding that? Was it challenging for you once you'd finished studying? Well, it, yes. Okay. Uh, is it hard to be, become paramedic and get a job? Yes, we are. So in Australia right now, or New South Wales for that matter, um, we have we need more paramedics on road, but um, the funding and just the way that um, the health services is going at the moment, we can't actually get that funding as quickly as we need it. So although mm-hmm. there is a need for paramedics, there's not enough places in the service to cater for that. So um, universities are taking on like thousands of students a year in New South Wales and there's only like 100 or 200 jobs that go each year for New South Wales Ambulance. So it's extremely competitive because then you've got all the people from Victoria, Queensland, WA, um, people from London, people from New Zealand, Mm -hmm. Tasmania, all competing for those uh, very small number of positions. So it is extremely competitive and there's really not that many jobs at the end of it. I actually remember in our first lecture um, at ACU, we sat down and the lecturer said to us, you know, only one in 15 or one in 10 of you in this room is actually going to get a job at the end of this degree. So I'm just telling you this now so that you know. Mm. Um, but in my head, I was like, okay, well, if it's one in 15, then I will be that one in 15. Like, I'll do everything That's in my amazing. power that I can. <laughs> yeah, there's sort of two ways that you can look at it. But I think if you do begin a degree in paramedicine, you have to understand and accept that you might have to go to London for a year. You might have to work in a state that's different from your home state. You might have to work rurally. Like you have to really be prepared to pack up shop and leave to wherever the job takes you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think so many people that are paramedics um, have a personality that is willing to do that because they are in that job because they have that really deep-seated passion for it. Yeah, that makes sense. And so mm. are there any tips that helped you to become that one out of the 10, 15, or is it kind of right place, right time? I don't know. What would you say? Mm, that's a good question. I I think my mindset at uni was, okay, well, I'm going to get as much life and job work experience as I can. So mm-hmm. I was an event medic, um, so I did, like, first aid at events. I volunteered for the Red Cross at festivals, so I would take, like, drug-induced partygoers and put them into a safe space and call the ambulance. Um, I volunteered for a lot of different charities and also had a job as a swimming teacher for non-English-speaking um, people that wanted wow. to learn how to swim and I did, like, disability um, swim teaching as well so in my mind I was like yeah you know like doing everything I can and then also at uni I studied really really hard because I thought well maybe my GPA will help um, so in terms of tips that's what I personally did but then one of my best friends worked um, in retail for her whole degree in the one job didn't do any volunteering um, and then she had a job before me. So, okay. I, yeah. yeah, so I think it really comes down to your performance on the interview day. So uh-huh. each state is different, but they'll have this uh, mass interview called a field day, and you'll go in and you'll do like um, like an IQ test, 
you'll do the tabletop tabletop exercise so they can see how you work in a group you'll do like a mock scenario and then you'll have a face-to-face interview so it's quite it's quite an in-depth interview process on the day yes I think it genuinely comes down to how you perform on the day and what each state is looking for as well cool sounds like a good summary so then once you've studied and gotten a job what does a typical day as a paramedic look like? And I'm sure that every day is completely different, but what would be considered a pretty standard day? Um, a pretty standard day. So in my P1T, so my first year out, I was living about 30 minutes away from station because I wasn't working on call shift. So I would get up at about 4.45, have my breakfast, have a coffee, go to station. I'd get there at 6.30 in the morning. Um, and then we would check the cars, make sure all our kit is ready, sign out drugs, um, go and see the station officer, say hello, and then we would be called out to jobs throughout the day. So our shifts are 12-hour shifts. So um, that means that you could go home at 7 p.m. when you're supposed to finish, or that means that you could be called out to a job at 6.30 p.m. That's half an hour away and you wouldn't get back to station until 11 o'clock at night so yeah so they're really long days um in terms of just the sheer amount of hours that you're actually at work but yes in terms of like a day in the life it would be very early mornings and very late nights and then when you're working night shift to be sleeping throughout the day and then trying to keep yourself awake at night (laughs) wowzers is it like 12 hours on, 24 off, or it's different no. all the time? No, so it's um, each station has a different type of rostering system, but okay. the most common would be 12-hour um, days, two in a row, so yeah. 7 to 7, 7 to 7, and then perhaps an afternoon shift, so another 12-hour um, shift, and then a night shift. Um, so you don't actually get a reprieve in between those 12-hour shifts. You go straight to work the next day. Yeah. Um, in my P1, yeah, the qualified paramedic, I was working at um, an even more rural station and we do the 12-hour shifts and then do an on-call shift, which means that you get there at 6.30, so half an hour early, check the cars, do everything you need to do, work throughout the day, clock off, but then also take the ambulance home with you. So you drive it home, it sits in your driveway, and then throughout the night, you'd be called to different jobs. Um, just like you, Yeah, and then the next day, you'd wake up, go to work and do another 12-hour shift. So very intense in terms of workload and um, like the amount of effort that you have to put in to sustain, to sustain the career. So I guess on terms of that, because it is so challenging, what do you think is the most important characteristic for a paramedic to have? And then also, what is the best way to prepare to become a paramedic if you know that that is something that you want to do? In my opinion, that's a really good question. In my opinion, um, the most important characteristic for a paramedic or anyone in health to have would be resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's really important to know how to not take things personally, particularly if like you're dealing with um, or you're treating a drug-induced patient and they're saying awful things or being extremely violent. It's really important to know how to treat that as water off a duck's back, swallow it and be like, okay, and then go to the next job because every person's emergency could be like the worst day in the whole in their whole lifespan, you need to be able to front yeah. up and be there for that person. So definitely resilience, like the ability to shake things off and bounce back. Um, and in terms of tips, I would say 
gather as much life experience as you can because you know 80% of our job is just being able to talk to people and relate to people Mm -hmm. so I feel like if you had a fairly sheltered life growing up which in no means is a bad thing I think that's great if you had like a sheltered (laughs) life like that's fantastic but if you feel like oh you know I don't really know if I have enough life experience to be able to relate to like an 80 year old male or like someone who's just overdosed on drugs or you know I wouldn't know what to say to a person having a baby like I think it's really important to gather as much life experience as you can remind yourself that there is no rush um in terms of your age like for me I had to grow up at a really sort of young age because of the loss of my uncle and that was like a really traumatic thing but it um gave me that resilience and ability to actually empathize with people that are going through extremely traumatic situations yeah Wowzers, such good advice again. I feel like I say that at the end of everything, but I'm just sitting here in awe. Like, wow, what you guys do for us is amazing. Do you feel like you do get enough credit for what you do? And do you feel appreciated or, yeah? Um, that's, yeah, that's an interesting question because I feel like the reason that I'm in the job would never be for credit or a pat on the back or for someone to say yeah. thank you. I think we're sort of programmed as paramedics just to be like, well, this is our job in the same way that a barista wakes up and makes coffees in the the morning and, Mm -hmm. you know, people have office jobs. That's what they've chosen to do and this is what we have chosen with, you know, um, complete control in our decisions to put ourselves through. So I think if you asked, you know, a lot of paramedics, if you said, like, do you get enough credit, they would sort of go shy and be like, well, I didn't ever anticipate credit in the first place. Well, I guess that in itself answers it, if you hadn't necessarily thought about it. What is a pretty common patient? And again, I'm sure that every time you get called out, it's for something so different. But what would be the most common thing that you would be seeing on a day-to-day basis? Mm, so in our ambulance graduation ceremony, they actually went through the statistics for this. And cool. A, a, yeah, a really common call that we get is for elderly patients that have fallen. We get a lot of those where they'll just be walking, they'll have a mechanical fall. Like, um, you know, as the body ages, they're a lot more susceptible to more serious injury. So you could go to a patient that's just fallen off the couch and they could have like a neck of femur fracture, which is a pretty severe fracture. We get called to a lot of that. And I think the second one was shortness of breath because that can sort of play into a lot of different medical diagnoses. Like you can even like become a part of something cardiac or anxiety or anything to do with the lungs so there's like a whole spectrum of different of different things that we could um you know conclude that that patient's experiencing just from a shortness of breath so those I think are the two most common yeah so then how often would you say you get called to what you would classify as like a big job I don't know a car crash or something more major and potentially traumatic how often would those sorts of cases occur so I feel like this is heavily dependent on the station that you're at. Yep, um, I've worked both of my um, years in the service in rural stations. So we had quite a number of road accidents, farming accidents, um, and more traumatic jobs just due to the nature of the environment that we were in. So I think it would be maybe once a day or maybe once every two or three days we would have to call um, for a helicopter or rush wow. someone down to the major trauma hospital. But again, that's just because of, you know, the landscape that I put myself in. But if mm-hmm. you were to say work in the city, you wouldn't sort of be called to those as much just due to the highways and the roads, the lowest speeds and 
and the demographic out there. Yeah. So what would be more common in cities? Is that, would you have more of your drug cases and things like that there? Mm, so I haven't done a tenure in yeah. um, a city environment, but um, if one of my best friends has, that's been in the service for the same amount of time for me, and there is a higher proportion of um, patients that call for drug-related cases um, and quite a bit more mental health, but that may be due to the sheer size of the population. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, but of course, like if you're working in a suburb that has a lot of nightclubs and, you know, bars and things like that, you'll get like a lot of intoxicated patients on a Friday or Saturday night and potentially a few, um, yeah, drug related cases. For sure. That makes sense. Is there any further study that a paramedic can do or any differentiation between paramedics or is it kind of that everybody is considered a jack of all trades? Everyone's done the same amount of study and all has the same qualifications it was it wasn't that long ago that the degree actually came into fruition so you'll find that quite a few paramedics don't actually have the degree qualifications like the ones that have been in the service for a really long time um but that doesn't mean that where we have different scripts of practices or anything um there is further study you can do you can become an intensive care paramedic um which means that you're sort of only called to the really severe cases that happen and you can administer different drugs. Um, but in terms of further study, there's that or there's special operations like tactical units in the paramedic um, services where you can go out and retrieve people from really strange environments and like just really strange things that happen that the, we call them the SOTs and special operations paramedics. So, yeah, there's those two paths that you can go down in terms of um other pathways in paramedicine as well. You can go into managerial positions. So like you can become a station officer or a duty operations manager and things like that. Would you ever consider doing any of those? Um, Personally, I wouldn't um, because I don't think that that's for me. So my cortisol and adrenaline, if I was being called to what we call like 1As or 1Bs, which is like person's not breathing or person's in cardiac arrest or Mm -hmm. really traumatic things, all day, every day, I think I would burn out very quickly. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's not really my goal to go into intensive care paramedicine and it's also a lot more responsibility. You know, when an intensive care paramedic mm-hmm. walks on scene, it's like they are the be-all and end-all. It's like our last chance to cannulate a patient, our last chance to sort of get an airway. Okay. So it's a lot of pressure. I have a lot of respect for them. No, it makes sense. Good on you to know your boundaries as well and to look after yourself. And I guess that's probably something that you've had to learn more. Do you want to talk about how you had to take time off and all of that story? Yeah, for sure. Um, it was in my second year on road. So I just mm-hmm. moved out to a very, very rural station that like it was like I think a six hour drive away from my family wow. um, in a small country town. And I was just learning the ropes of on call. I was fresh, um, a fresh qualified paramedic. So I had trainees working with me that I was the most qualified on the car which was a lot of pressure but you know that's what we study for so I was okay to accept that responsibility but I um, as I started doing the on-call shift in between my day shifts I lost a lot of weight just because my body was constantly running on stress cortisol yeah. adrenaline I was eating so much but my body was just in a constant nervous state I started like my sleeping patterns 
started to deteriorate and I found that I became very anxious like all the time I was like oh my goodness like do I need to help someone like sometimes I'd wake up and be like is the ambulance in my driveway like it was so hectic so um I yeah I experienced like a complete mental like snap and I was just like I cannot I can't do this like I was off nothing I was very burnt out like my adrenal glands were just not very well um so I put my hand up and said you know I can't I need to take a break it was on the back of a really um traumatic job as well a young patient um attempted suicide so I went to that job and that absolutely broke me like I had nothing in the tank after that I was so I was so devastated it Mm -hmm. still breaks my heart like I still get teary whenever I think about these patients they were just like so young and so innocent and just like it just it was just it was just too much for me at that point like I'd seen you know motorbike accidents farming accidents car crashes like truck rollovers Mm -hmm. like drug-induced psychosis like I'd seen so much in my first year and then when I saw that I was just absolutely like hit rock bottom it's Mm -hmm. the worst thing I've ever seen so yeah I've taken six months off and um, regrouped myself you know put back on the weight like got some really healthy healthy yeah healthy routines going built a really strong support network around me I saw a fabulous psychologist that was connected to the service and got a lot of therapy to work through that job and yeah as you were talking about before like those boundaries I really had to learn how to put boundaries in place and what my body was capable of and what it wasn't capable of did you was there ever a moment where you thought you weren't going to come back or did you Mm -hmm. always know okay yeah do you to talk us yeah. through that? And then why ultimately did you decide, I want to come back and do this? Mm, mm. That's a that's a really good question. I remember like the first therapy session I had mm-hmm. with the psychologist, I was like, I am never, I cannot ever say that again. That was that was too much. I, that, no, yeah. no, 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 I'm putting my hand up like, no. And I felt so angry and passionate at the same time because like, as you know, through my Instagram, I'm such yeah. an advocate for mental health mm-hmm. and just the thought that like I couldn't help this person and like there's so many young people experiencing mental illness and just the weight of it and like the sheer size of it and the volume I was like I can't fight Mm -hmm. this battle on road like I need to put my energy into something where I feel like I'm making more of a change not just going to people when they're at the like like at their last straw Mm -hmm. um so with that being said, I was just like, I can't do this. I don't want to go back. And she said, you know, I don't think you're thinking very clearly right now because it's only just happened and uh-huh. your brain is going to change over the next few months once you build back up the energy. And I was just so tired. But um, my mind started to change as I got my strength back and got my energy back. And like that original passion that I had for science and study and everything that happened with my uncle like that it reignited that passion once I had a bit of a break from it and I was like okay yeah I definitely wasn't thinking clearly like this is what I'm meant to do and this is when I feel the most the most you know like I'm on the right path in life yeah I have nothing to say good on you I yeah (laughs) it is really really inspiring so then um when you decided to come back what were some of those boundaries that you had put in place to focus on and to prevent this from happening again? Yeah, so another great question. <laughs> um, some of the boundaries that I have in place in my life now is, um, it might sound a bit unpalatable for, for some, but if I'm tired, like after a shift, and my friends are out drinking or going to dinner and like staying up late and everything, I'll just be like, 
like love you guys but yeah. I'm too tired to go which is something that I didn't actually learn in my first year like I would come home and just go out and just see everyone and I'd just be so tired so um yeah. I honor yeah I honor my fatigue and I listen to my body like if I'm tired and it's 8 30 I'll go to bed like mm-hmm. see you later that's <laughs> like it's fine um a few other boundaries is like not picking up overtime because it's really not worth it for me like an overtime shift yeah. if I've worked for four days I will say no to that um and also I don't really drink alcohol I never really did in my first year either but I noticed that it t- it makes me really tired I wasn't really ever a big drinker at school like I know a lot of people although it's illegal they start drinking under the age of 18 I never did that um so like alcohol is just something that I don't really uh ever get involved in and that was just another boundary that I put in place with myself um and if I'm feeling emotionally overwhelmed or like someone that I'm speaking to whether it be like a colleague or anyone in my social circle is saying like really defamatory and awful things yeah. about mental health. Like I honor that as well. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to remove myself from this situation because what they're saying doesn't align with my values. So I honor that as well. Mm-hmm. No, that all makes sense. It's very great. And so I guess this is personal to me now. I had mentioned how I've thought about being a paramedic. Yeah. Um, so I guess I want to say some of the, a lot of the things you're talking about are the reasons I wasn't sure if I do want to do it because I've always been the sort of person who is such a big go-getter. And when I first considered being a paramedic, what I loved about it was that it was challenging and I wanted a job that would force me to grow and push me, but also that I could help others so much and just be selfless. And I love talking with people and everything, but this year I've struggled with a bit of burnout and just a lot of anxiety for the first time because of school and also just like always working so hard my whole life and never letting myself rest. So I'm learning a lot of those boundaries and things as well. But for me now, I'm in a position where I'm like, I don't know if me working towards being a paramedic would be the healthiest thing for myself. And I'm almost thinking, is it more powerful of me to step away from something? And I think that being a paramedic is something I would love and I could do well because I would pour Mm. myself into it I guess like what you are but Mm. is that necessarily the healthiest thing for me is what I've been thinking and just because I love it and I love challenging myself that doesn't necessarily mean I need to challenge myself in every aspect of my life every day and like constantly be pushing myself so I know this is more personal to me um and I'll see if, anyway, if it should go on the podcast, but what are kind of your thoughts surrounding that? And do you feel like this job becomes your life and that's a good thing or it's not a good thing or you know that it's only for a few years or your passion is greater for it? Like what is kind of all of your thoughts surrounding that? Yeah, so my initial thought that came to my head and also never apologise for like speaking about yourself because like Mm -hmm. I love learning about other people and I think yeah as I said before you have so much emotional dexterity for someone your age but the first thing that came to my head was like I know she wants to push herself I know that she wants to achieve really good things but it's like do you really do you really want to push yourself emotionally to the point where you have to go to people that have trigger warning but like hung themselves do you Mm -hmm. really want to see like children with their arms cut off like do you really want to push yourself to the point where like you might have a mental episode to the point where like you're completely burnt out or like do you want to risk getting PTSD do you want to risk 
Like, and a lot of people won't really tell you that, but, you know, if I could go back and say to myself, like, you know, I want something that challenges me, I want to learn about people, it's like, well, you're actually doing that already. You know, mm-hmm. you have these amazing, this amazing skill set and just this amazing intrigue about people and their lives and everything. And I feel like you could definitely use that passion in so many other areas of life or different jobs that, you know, some jobs aren't, aren't even going to be around yet like when you finish high school yeah it's going to be new jobs but um I feel like if you have that tendency to be self-critical and like push yourself push yourself push yourself you just have to be very careful in paramedicine because if you in an emergency situation like you're not going to be able to operate at your 100% best and then carrying that yeah those memories of like I should have done this I should have done that like it's not very good for people with that really strong personality type in saying that, though, <laughs> in saying all of that, in saying all of that, if you are passionate about it and you love it and you want to yeah. do it, like, don't let anything stop you. I'll completely support you and be so proud. Aww. But, yeah, it's just, like, definitely important about the self-critical nature of it and a potential, like, detrimental side effect. Yeah, no, that all yeah. makes sense. But I guess my question off of that then is, would not every personality type struggle? Like, is anybody who becomes a paramedic going to suffer burnout, going to get PTSD at times, going to really struggle, and it is just something that every paramedic will have to work through? Or do you think if people go into it really healthy with those boundaries already set that they will be okay? I don't know. Oh, my God, I've thought about this Yeah. Okay. so much. I've thought about this question so much because I'm like, <laughs> Why? Why is it just me? Like, what is happening? Like, yeah, but I'm sure it's not. What? Like, we just walked out of the most crazy thing. Yeah. Um. So, in terms of people that are less susceptible to burnout and PTSD, are the ones that have more resilience and are the people that can emotionally detach themselves Mm -hmm. better, um, in a way that they don't take things home with them. So. I've found that the people with the longest career, they're still so empathetic and love what they do, but they have that innate ability to just be like, well, you know, it is what it is. And like, okay. you know, people die and, you know, yeah, that was time to get like, on to the next thing. So they're really this amazing ability to yeah, just be like, is. well, you know, anyway, what are we getting for dinner? <laughs> Whereas like if you're a deep thinker and you internalize things and you're like, but that was unfair and like that, child shouldn't have been homeless and like the universe is so unfair and cruel like if you have that deep contemplative personality type I think you're definitely more susceptible to burnout PTSD because you just ruminate on things no that makes sense so do you think Mm. it's something I know this is again personal you don't necessarily have to answer but it's something that you'll get better at or learn how to do or you think you're always going to struggle with it Mm, that's 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 a very profound question I I feel like for a long time I thought to myself like if you're going to have a long career in this you need to learn how to switch off and just not not care to the point where it upsets you like you need to you know but when I started fighting that and I was like no this is wrong this is wrong it was actually dishonoring my inherent personality traits and what I was born with Mm -hmm. so I was like actually you know what like just because a lot of thriving paramedics have this you know humor to them and they're there they can laugh things off and whatever it's like there's going to be so many different people within society that we meet that I'm going to be able to connect with on a different level because I have those traits and you never know where your personality traits are going to take you like if I wasn't true to myself and put myself out there 
in my truest form, I wouldn't be speaking to you today. Mm-hmm. So I think wow. it's definitely something that I'll always have inside of me because it's just so genetically like there and I'm, I can't change it, but I'm learning to love it and accept it and use it as a strength rather than a weakness. I had free hands right now, I would be clapping. <laughs> that makes so much sense and is powerful. And it, yeah, it makes sense. And I guess part of that personality that maybe makes the job a little bit harder for you mentally is also why you're so great at it and were drawn to it in the first place and why you are so passionate about helping people. And it's like, yeah. you almost can't have the one without the other. What is one of the main challenges or misconceptions about a job as a paramedic? Oh, one of the main challenges or misconceptions. One of the main challenges would be uh, the shift work. So the long, like the length of the shifts, I that would be one of the challenges and working overtime and the lack of breaks that we get because, you know, you could be on a job for four hours and you can't just really just whip out a sandwich. Like yeah. you can't really just do that. Um, and one of the misconceptions that I found is that it's all, you know, guts and glory and it's a lot of, trauma and it's a lot of lights and sirens you know but a large majority of our work is more sort of as we were saying before like the low acuity falls or like the social the social calls that we make like if an old nana in the nursing home has called her medi alarm button accidentally because she forgot or you know a lot of the things we go to aren't um Mm life-threatening that makes sense I love this question because I think it really speaks to a lot of the people who'll be listening to this and it shows that your life does work out the way it's supposed to, but every opportunity is an opportunity to grow. So if you could go back and give your 15-year-old self one piece of advice, what would it be? Don't be so hard on yourself, girl, my gosh. Don't be so hard on yourself. It's okay. I want to give you a hug and just be like, it's okay. Like, don't worry. Like, if you don't get 99 in your ATAR, your parents aren't not going to be proud of you. (laughs) Like, that was double negative. But, like, you know, it's it's okay if, you know, people in your social scene are doing different things. It's okay to be different. It's okay to not want to drink. It's okay to not want to do drugs. Like, you'll find your people. If you don't find your people at school, you'll find them at uni, you know, which I did. Like, I have the Mm -hmm. most beautiful, beautiful friendship group from uni and, like, it's okay. Like, who you are in whatever shape or form that is at 15, like, it's okay. woo <laughs> Another <laughs> round of applause. Yeah. That's so special. And so, actually, a tangent, talking about meeting your friends at university, is it hard yeah. or beneficial to have friends that all do similar jobs? Like, it, I'm sure it would be good to be able to relate, but then also, can you end up carrying everybody's else's weight and trauma as well? Oh my God, it actually makes me teary thinking about how much I love the people, like my friends that I met at uni, like, oh, they are honestly just the best. And I don't know if it was because they all wanted to become paramedics. So just by that nature, like they have the most purest, beautiful souls. But um, I think it's absolutely fantastic. I feel like when you have friends in healthcare, you know each other's boundaries and you know that sometimes it's a bit more detrimental to... Like, for example, I would never call my best friend and be like, I just saw this and this and this and this and this, knowing that she's just come off a night shift. Like, there's Mm -hmm. a time and place. And we do definitely all respect each other's boundaries. I think when you do a degree in paramedicine, like, the things that you'll put through together, even just down to, like, learning how to carry a mannequin without dropping it down a flight of stairs. Like, it's just, like, the bonding experiences that you go through makes you just love one another. I don't know. I just love them so much. 
seeing my friends go to London and just like smash it over there, so even cool. in the midst of COVID. Oh, they've just got the best attitude. One of the things that I loved about the paramedics degree was that you could go to New Zealand, Singapore, I think, and London with it. And you said some of your friends had gone to London. <gasps> yes. Talk us about that. Do they love it? Is it more challenging, harder, easier, just nice change of lifestyle? What are the wow. pros and cons? They are loving it. Everyone, there's three beautiful people that um, are over there at the moment. Um, the, the feedback that I've heard is that you have a lot more responsibility a lot quicker and it's sort of more of like an unguided responsibility. So in wow. New South Wales, you do your P1T and you're always with a qualified paramedic, whereas when you go over to London, it's like you are the qualified paramedic wow. straight up. Like, yeah. So um, you learn a lot more a lot quickly. Like, you're thrown in the deep end, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, but yeah, they've been exposed to so much. Like one of my really good friends, she's already delivered three babies over oh, there. Like, wow. Yeah. My, oh, yeah. <laughs> wow. Like, yeah, it's intense. But with the COVID situation happening, they were flat out. Like they did mm. so much overtime. Like they, there was definitely an element of risk. And um, okay, yeah. the other feedback, yeah, the other feedback I've gotten as well is, uh, be careful with what area in London that you choose, depending on what you want want to be exposed to. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. That makes sense. Good to know. Good to consider. Yeah. Very cool. I guess finally, is there anything else you would like to share or anything that you feel like people need to know or need to consider or anything else that you were hoping to have the chance to say? Um, it would probably just be like when you're at university, right? So there's this thing called destination happiness. So it's like when I finish my degree, I'll be yes. happy. When I get a job, I'll be happy. Like, And I found that I spent a lot of my time in that mindset. So I think it's really important, you know, even when you're in year 12 now, I think it's super important to be present in the now and be like, okay, I'm going to absorb what's actually going on now because it flies. Like, I spent a lot of my degree thinking, no, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll be happy once I get a job because it was such a, such a risk that I'd even get one. But, yeah. you know, yeah. So just definitely be present in the moment. So yeah, just trust your own path and don't compare yourself to others in the process would be my final parting word. Love it. So many people are going to be so inspired by your story, which I love. That's so cool. And you are right with the whole journalism. Like, I just think that everybody needs to know that their story is worth sharing and their experiences matter and that they, like, people discredit themselves so much and no one is more special or have any cooler or better experiences or lessons to pass on. It's just giving the people the opportunity to share that and be inspired by others. Very, very cool. And plug your really cute mirror sticker. Oh, you should share it. <laughs> I'm going to get some. I will have to get some. They're no, so anyway. cute. They're so cute. Yeah, so where can people get them if they want them? And I'll share your Instagram, of course, as well. But Yeah, so they can grab those stickers at holism.store. Um, that is the website. Um, or the link will also be in my bio. So cool. You're amazing. <laughs> Thank you so, so much. Thank you for your time. It's been a very inspiring chat and you're going to do very big things in this world, young lady. Aw, you are amazing. 
Wow, wow, wow. You can understand why all I wanted to do was give her a round of applause the whole time. I am convinced that that helped answer some of your questions. I really hope that you learned something. I am convinced that you did. And I hope that that just puts you in a bit of a good mood to go off into the week. If you know someone else who has been interested in being a paramedic, please, please, please send this episode to them. I'm sure it'll benefit them so much and give them some good things to think about, good ways to prepare for the job if they're already studying, good ways to prepare for career in it, and just good things to know for your mental health and a whole range of other things. Thank you once again to Georgia. I really appreciate your time and your openness and your vulnerability. If you guys loved this conversation, which I'm sure you did, go right ahead and follow Georgia on Instagram at Life of a Paramedic. Buy her cute as mirror stickers. And yeah, just go message her and say thank you so much for being on the podcast. I'm sure that'll make her week. Okay. Um, stay tuned for some other episodes like this interviewing a range of different jobs if you have any other ideas message me dm at goodluck underscore charlie pod podcast that is where all the fun stuff happens that is where there is daily encouragement and wisdom and life left life lessons and things that i'm learning and positive vibes and all the good things so go ahead and follow along on that if you are on the apple podcast app and you love this episode I would really appreciate it if you left a little rating and review that would make my week. Yes, I hope you all have a fabulous week. I hope you learn something. I hope you live a little bit and I hope you get one step closer to working out what you want to do with your life in terms of a career. But regardless, who you are and the way you treat others is way more important. So yes, I hope you know that you are loved and that you are special and that you have a unique purpose on this world. Much love. Good luck, Charlie, and bye, you guys. Bye. Good luck, Charlie. Bubba doobie 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 doobie.